Section 7 of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Frederick J. Tabor Frost. Section 7 A Yucatecan Breakfast and Other Sights unless one is endowed with the appetite of the proverbial ploughboy there is surely nothing which puts you off your food more than having too much on your plate one's sympathies go out to the irritable old gentleman at the london club who having ordered a plate of beef and getting beef and a plate snapped out angrily to the waiter do you think i haven't eaten for a month the next worst thing to having too much on your plate is to have too much on the table every traveller knows the bewildering effect of those breakfasts served on the paris and mediterranean railway when seven dishes are placed before you with fifteen minutes in which to eat their contents but though there is no time limit for feeding in yucatan you have got to get accustomed to the whole meal in all its courses being placed before you at once we had brought with us to merida several letters of introduction and on the monday we presented one of these to a yucatecan millionaire whom we ran to earth in his office he was mayor of the city transacting official business after our preliminary greetings he said we yucatecans never ask anybody to our houses but i should like you to see the interior of a yucatecan home therefore will you breakfast with me to-morrow at eleven thirty in fulfilment of this engagement we turned up the next day in his patio at the appointed hour the house is one of the finest in merida and is so typical of the people as to be worth a short description entering through the patio bright with flowering shrubs with orange trees loaded with the golden fruit with palms and evergreens you ascend a short flight of stone steps into a long central tiled hall forming a kind of glorified veranda on two sides of the courtyard on the tiles are thrown a few cheap colored mats ranged in two rows facing each other are eight or ten american bentwood rocking chairs on the walls hung a few oleographs here we were received by our host in a linen suit and his senora a celebrated meridian beauty daintily dressed in a pink muslin frock the mother as we afterwards discovered of seven children though she herself looked little more than out of her teens one or two other guests male relatives are in cool linens having arrived our hosts lead the way to the further end of the hall out of which opens the dining-room not all such a dining-room as we english associate with the sacred occupation of feeding it is really nothing but another tiled annex to the hall with huge doorway but without doors there are no real doors between the rooms in yucatecan houses at which the chickens and turkeys from the backyard are congregating to see the fun 
hopping cackling out of the way of the half dozens of indian women servants who are pattering in with bare feet from the kitchen of which you catch a glimpse down a vista of tiled yard but here's the table and what a spread there are only eight of us to breakfast for it is the children's school hour and thus they are not present but if there were eighty-eight of us we feel as we look at the groaning board that the indian maids would be able when everybody's appetite was satisfied to gather up of the fragments that remained many basketfuls as we take our places our host perhaps detects the amazement in our eyes for he says with a wave of his hand i wished you to have a yucatecan meal it is always our custom to have everything on the table at once there is certainly everything almost everything you can think of there is a dish of steaks a stew of rabbit a great plate of pork sausages chickens stewed and chickens roasted turkey minced with egg and turkey in puris naturalibus a greasy mess of pork joints a great heaped-up mass of venison a vast soup tureen of beef broth a dish of chopped eggs and tortillas a huge salted sausage in red skin a favorite food of all yucatecans a minced mess of meat known throughout yucatan as chile con carne a plate of veal cutlets a large boiled fish a famous red snapper of the mexican gulf and last but not least turtle steaks and for vegetables there are dishes of tomatoes of green and red peppers of garlic and onions of black beans frijoles squashed into a greasy dark purple pulp of snowy pyramids of rice of boiled plantains of sweet potatoes and boiled indian corn but the sweets are here too jellies and stewed fruits cranberries squashed into a luscious disguise of pipeless semi-liquid jelly fringed round with cream pineapples stewed in thick slabs and peaches floating in a wine-tinted syrup and among all these plats de jour the wonder is that the indian maids have found room to place them on the table our china baskets of fruits apples from california oranges from our host's farm bananas and banana apples peaches and the purple-brown caumita which looks like a cross between a rosy-cheeked apple and a nectarine and has a white soapy flesh with a taste which is somewhat like that of a green fig soaked for an hour in a lather of delicately scented soap and to wash down this gargantuan feast there were three cut glass short-stemmed long-bodied goblets beside each breakfaster which were kept filled by the indian maids with red and white wines aerated waters iced lemonade made from the limes from the patio fruit drinks or iced milk bread throwing at school if we remember aright was an offence punishable with the sixth book of the aeneid to write out and the loss of a half holiday as the minimum penalty in yucatan it is all the fashion in the highest circles no sooner had we taken our places at the table than an indian maid brought in holding them in her brown hands a towering pile of soft white doughy tortillas each about as big as a large abernethy biscuit 
these she placed at the side of our hostess who at once began to throw them to us all it was so adroitly done that before you had recovered from the amazement with which the mere act filled you you found yourself admiring the exquisite dexterity of the gentle thrower those of our readers who have visited monte carlo and admired as every one must the marvellous precision with which the croupiers flip the golden louis to the lucky punters will be able to imagine something like the dexterity of our hostess a tortilla whizzed circling across the table under your very nose and landed with exquisite softness like a tired dove at the side of your host's plate whiz we're here comes another why it's like boomerang throwing for this last you'll swear circled round you before it sank nestling under the edge of the plate of steaming pork stew in front of you the air is thick with these doughy missiles nobody is the least surprised except us and we become quite absorbed in watching the friendly bombardment our host engages us as the newspapers say in animated conversation inquires the purposes of our tour and our theories as to the origin of the mayan people it is hard to give him our whole attention for we feel we are losing all the fun for the tortillas are whizzing over the table now and round it just like boomerangs and then the hostess supply is exhausted but here is a plump indian maid with a fresh supply snowy white and softly fluffy such as would fill a london muffin man's heart with envy it is all very funny and the climax is reached when your host peels an orange of some very rare flavour and offers you the juicy dripping quarter in his fingers following this up with a like exhibition of his hospitable wish to share with you his apple and his peach we had defended ourselves as well as we could from the unbridled hospitality of our host but all the same we felt like boa constrictors who had made an injudicious meal of goat's hole when we packed ourselves into a skeleton cab to pay a visit of inspection to the merida prison which is one of the sights of the place the drive thither was through one of the finest thoroughfares in the city lined with substantially built bungalow houses of stone and stucco each standing in its picturesque tropical garden a mass of bloom and waving fan palms this street debouches upon the broad avenida de paz a wonderful stretch of asphalt running the full width of the city and forming its western frontier beyond this opens out the really fine plaza de porfirio diaz a great oval of lawn intersected by broad paths of asphalt meeting in a large central space ornamented by a small artificial lake with fountain the penitenciaria juarez fronts upon the plaza a long low building of limestone stuccoed one story eyed save over the central doorway where a turreted second story forms the residence of the president as the governor of the jail is called this official met us at the doorway he was a mexican of about forty a tall handsome military-looking man swarthy skinned with a big black moustache he impressed us very favourably 
for there was in the face a certain charm of frankness and straightforwardness which is not characteristic of the mexicans and is almost wholly lacking in the yucatecans his smile was quite kindly though behind it it was not difficult to detect a certain official grimness which suggested the man capable of anything if duty demanded he had been imported into yucatan because of his reputation as a specialist in the governing of jails and what we saw of the administration of the building under his control suggested that yucatan had been very wise in her importation armed with an ordinary walking-stick in linen suit and a panama hat he led the way across the central hall where loafed half a dozen soldiers in holland uniforms ornamented with green and white braidings and wearing a cap of the french kepi type to the interior of the prison the iron gates were unlocked by a convict dressed in a red and white striped shirt the president explaining that all the short-term and good-conduct men wore these while the more desperate characters have blue and white striped shirts from the gateway three long corridors branched off and we passed down each in turn out of these opened on each side the cells small cubicles of stone their only furniture a wooden shelf some three feet wide let into the wall about three feet from the ground and supported by two wooden legs upon this shelf the prisoner sleeps his bedclothes the simple blanket universal throughout the country in the corner of the cell was a small gutter and drain for washing down the cell which was ventilated by a small grated window in the corner furthest from the corridor at the end of the central passage was a large stone room where convicts in blue striped shirts were busy making hammocks the place reminded one of a hop garden in kent there were long rows of posts two to each man between which were stretched the rough string frameworks of the hammocks the men passing up and down between the posts threading the strings backward and forwards like carpet weaving passing through these we came into a large garden quadrangle at the further end of which in a big shed scores of red-striped convicts were busy carpentering at a signal from the president's stick the buzzing of lathes and saws stopped as if by magic and the men stood at attention the superintendent carpenter was called up and explained everything to us and the president called one or two of the men to him and asked particulars of their cases one of these was a nigger who rejoiced in the british name of john williams with a broad grin which showed his white teeth to the gums he told us that he was serving a month's sentence for fighting a man in the street all the men looked well cared for and contented on the other side of the courtyard was a large wash-house with baths for the men and big sinks in which the prison washing was done close by was a blacksmith's shop where a score of men were engaged in all sorts of iron work much of it quite artistic the chief job at the moment being the designing of railings for the outside of the penitentiaria which had been opened only a short time here the president told us that much vigilance had to be exercised 
to prevent the more desperate men from using their opportunities to make less innocent things than railings only a few days before our visit one of the workmen had been found in possession of a bloodthirsty looking knife which he had manufactured with a purpose possibly as the president coolly said of trying its metal upon him close by sitting in the garden were a row of men busy weaving sacks from henequen fibre crossing the yard we were shown the kitchens here were two or three large circular blocks of masonry into each of which were let several coppers or ovens the fireplaces beneath the whole building had a business-like and cleanly air and a couple of convicts were engaged in manufacturing a stew which had a very garlicky yucatecan smell we complimented the president upon these kitchens which would certainly very favourably compare with those in even a first-rate british barracks after having inspected an excellent miniature hospital which formed an annex in the rear of the jail we were taken by the president to his private room where from a safe he produced the prison books these were most interesting volumes from the criminologist's point of view to each prisoner was devoted a page headed by a photograph of him stripped to the waist and with head shaved thereunder were entered details of his crimes birth parentage age health weight and any physical peculiarities they do not go in for fingerprints in yucatan two or three facts struck us as we turned the pages of these truly human documents first there appeared to be no indians in the jail secondly the clean-shaven presentments of the culprits emphasized to a startling degree the physiognomical lowness of the mexican type the majority of the men certainly of those imprisoned for the more serious offences were mexicans and not yucatecans some of them were mere lads but one and all had features which suggested the atavism of crime they were born murderers and thirdly as was logical enough four-fifths of the offences chronicled in these books were homicide or robbery with violence it was a curious sidelight into the condition of even this peaceful corner of the mexican republic that purple land where law secures not life we were astonished too to notice that the maximum penalty for murder appeared to be fifteen years imprisonment the president explained that as a rule capital punishment was not inflicted but was reserved for parricides and murderers of the most brutal kind we ventured to suggest that in such a land this was a somewhat ill-judged leniency but the president shook his head he probably thought that it would make too serious an inroad upon the population of the republic if every murderer was shot the supreme penalty of the law here as in mexico is always by the rifle bullet never the rope the president explained in detail the administration of the prison and the regulations seemed to be quite utopian in their mildness thus each prisoner is allowed to see his relatives once a fortnight and they can bring him food during these visits the utmost vigilance is needed to prevent the smuggling in of contraband articles money and so on as illustration of this the president took from his desk a broken tortilla into which had been kneaded 
two half dollars and the tortilla then cooked the ruse had been discovered and now the rule is for every tortilla brought into the jail to be broken into by the guards the gilbertian element which we had noticed so much in mexico was represented here by the truly astonishing provision of a jail band which discoursed sweet music to the culprits every afternoon evidently our friend the president firmly believed with congreve that music had charms to soothe the savage breast another benevolent regulation was that by which the prisoners received on their release all the monies which they had earned by industries the only deduction being for the purchase of materials and the upkeep of the working sheds the president took us out to a gallery where were stored a quantity of really excellently made pieces of furniture tables writing desks wardrobes washstands chairs and carved cupboards in this way a prisoner on his release is sometimes entitled to as large a sum as six hundred dollars sixty pounds having inspected the school department where the humanizing effects of education were tried upon the criminals we were taken up to the roof of the prison to view the method of guarding it between the outside street wall and the inner wall of the building was a moat some thirty feet wide in this were stationed at intervals soldiers armed with rifles on the outside wall some two or three yards broad paced more armed sentries who thus commanded an entire view of the whole prison in bidding the president good-bye we said what we felt that he was the head of an establishment which did him the utmost credit and from the humanizing and rational system of which the english prison commissioners might take many valuable hints there is a museum in merida a poor affair and badly housed in three dark rooms but there were several things we wanted to see specially so we made our way thither after leaving the prison with some difficulty for our driver did not appear with true yucatecan stupidity to know that his city contained such a very unnecessary adjunct we ran the national treasure house to earth in a back street where a small brass plate on a decayed-looking doorway announced itself as el museo the director a middle-aged yucatecan whose amiability was only equalled by his archaeological ignorance was routed out of his hammock by his little ten-year-old son who opened the door to us and sleepily proceeded to do the honours of the place it is a great pity that with such limitless wealth and such boundless opportunities merida has taken no pains to establish a museum worthy of her position as the capital city of the egypt of the new world what we saw if it had not been so sad would have been really comic absolute confusion reigned there was no catalogue the smiling director forming a peripatetic one exhibits bore numbers which were thus meaningless to every one but himself it was mexico museum over again on a humbler scale wretched pieces of spanish carved stonework from the interiors of churches or from the facades of seventeenth-century houses were jumbled up with really marvellous pieces of indian workmanship figures in bas-relief of gods and animals and warriors in feathered dress 
but the good director had not been content with making a hotchpotch such as one sees in the shop of a dealer in marine stores and scrap iron he was guilty of archaeological crime for on the top of a spanish church pillar he had actually cemented a carved indian head from one of the temples in another corner a slab of stone an eighteenth-century spanish coat of arms had joined forces by means of cement with a wonderful indian frieze the result was ludicrous in the extreme but when we expostulated with him he smilingly explained that he had done it to prevent them from falling about there was as far as quantity is concerned an excellent display of indian pottery incense burners water-pots and domestic utensils and small stone figures of gods but these were all lying haphazard in a case with spanish pottery and tile-work one of the most interesting exhibits from the archaeologist's point of view is the much disputed cozumel cross found on the island of cozumel in the seventeenth century it was brought to merida and placed first in the patio of the franciscan convent then in the church of the mejorada whence it was removed to its present position it is a very ordinary stone cross standing some three feet high with a two-foot cross piece on it in half relief is an image of the saviour made of plaster coloured with the hands and feet nailed chiefly upon this relic has been based a ridiculous theory that at some remote date christianity had been preached to the indians and that the worship of the cross was found to exist in yucatan by the spaniards the truth is as the american traveller j l stevens showed years ago the cosmo cross is nothing but a poorly sculptured piece of ornamentation from the first catholic church built in the island of cozumel by the order of cortes the director made vigorous efforts to convince us of its indian origin but one look at it was enough and we passed on to an exhibit which was the special object of our visit in guatemala around copan and quirigua skulls have been unearthed from time to time the teeth in which had in some instances been ornamented with tiny discs of polished jade the workmanship was of the most exquisitely precise nature and the object had evidently been adornment and not dentistry when these skulls were submitted to expert dental surgeons in america they declared the work so excellent as to be unsurpassable even with the present-day mechanical devices and instruments since these finds archaeologists have been searching for years in northern yucatan for some skull which exhibited a like dental ornamentation a few months before we arrived in yucatan their persistent hopes had been fulfilled about twenty miles to the northeast of merida at a town called motul during casual excavations at a hacienda a skull was found which now lay before us several teeth in the upper and lower jaw were missing but in the former two of the front teeth had let into their centre tiny discs of bluey green jade so firmly done that after the lapse of centuries the stone still formed a surface flush with the enamel of the tooth since our return to england we have seen in the british museum a skull from ecuador in which some of the upper teeth are ornamented in the same way 
but with gold only one room of the three was devoted to indian antiquities and after the director had made the special point of showing us a gigantic broken stone phallus which appeared to interest him and his little son more than any of the other exhibits characteristically enough for the yucaticans are nothing if they are not phallic worshippers we spent a few minutes in rambling round a medley of cases containing such incongruities as fetal monstrosities in bottles of spirits of wine pistols which in their youth had had the honour of dangling round the waist of yucatecan heroes a model of a gas engine examples of sixteenth-century ecclesiastical furniture moth-eaten collections of bugs and beetles examples of the coinage of all nations very faulty collections and some battered spanish armour there is great deal of ego in the yucatecan cosmos and these rooms represented self-complacency run amok with its mementos of persecuting catholic clerics pseudo-heroes and municipal nonentities with the tag-rag and bobtail of their wretched relics their chairs their wigs their coats their walking-sticks their slippers and their snuff-boxes on the walls were a series of ill-drawn pictures representing poor spaniards being disembowelled hanged quartered and burnt by ruthless indians and as we made our way to the door our cicerones pointed out to us four large wooden wheels which had supported the truck upon which dr le plongeon had had the chacmool he discovered at chichen and which we mentioned in describing mexico museum brought to the coast if merida had not got the statue and in the circumstances she has probably not lost much she at least had the genuine cartwheels the attitude of mexico towards foreign archaeologists is that of the dog in the manger this is more particularly noticeable in her policy regarding the comparatively recent activity of german and american students in yucatan we were the first englishmen to approach the government for permission to cross the peninsula but we found ourselves somewhat the victims of the indiscretions of foreign rivals whose conduct during the past few years has gone some way to justify the churlishness of the mexicans the mexican or yucatecan is as a rule an illiterate sensualist who cares not a jot about his country's past and is incapable of differentiating between a magnificent ruined indian palace and the stuccoed carcass of a hideous eighteenth-century church too mean and too indolent to enter upon researches for themselves they regard with suspicion and dislike all who would study the ruins the passport granted us was none too generous and its wording made it clear enough that our archaeological enthusiasm was scarcely welcomed in accordance with its terms we had reckoned our most important official duty in merida was to call on the conservator of monuments we expected an ancient of days whose talk on mayan problems would be a treat but nothing is as you expect it in this gilbertian land we found the conservator gently rocking himself amid the orange trees of his patio he was a sleek self-satisfied shiny-booted white-waistcoated young man good-looking of the barber's block style 
he languidly informed us that he had never seen the ruins of chichen a confession equivalent to the keeper of england's regalia admitting that he had never set eyes on the coaner our amazement was so obvious that he had apologetically added that he had photographs it was irresistibly reminiscent of poor dan leno as private detective tired of watching the suspected house taking a photograph of it and sitting at home in comfort watching that months later we learned that a bitter battle had been waged in mexico city by contending bands of german and american archaeologists to influence the federal government to appoint their respective nominees to the then recently created post of conservator what might not result were the work of guarding and studying the marvelous ruins of yucatan in able and competent native hands the germano-american battle had ended in a compromise as they could not get their special candidates appointed they had agreed that it was safest to have a non-entity the federal government had certainly granted them this favor end of section seven recording by shena ser fresno california